1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: My next guest on the show today returns to late lunch to talk about sleep, or more to the point, the lack of sleep that many people experience. Kira Wright is part of a great team at the wellness crew and senior nutritionist and research director at Glenville Nutrition Care. It's really good to see you again. Thank you for joining us on the show.
0: Thanks, Jerry. I'm delighted to be here.
2: Let's begin with sleep and enough sleep. Why is sleep and enough sleep so important to us as human beings?
0: Okay, so there's short-term effects. So let's say even one night of, you know, poor sleep. The next morning, obviously you're going to feel a little bit tired. It might have an impact on your mood. You might have higher levels of irritability that might have an impact in your workplace, for example, just dealing with stress or dealing with other people. It might mean they're a bit more narky with your children, that your patients' levels are lower. Um, But the longer term effects are probably even more serious. So it can have a massive impact on your immune system, such that actually lack of sleep is linked with certain types of cancer, including bowel, prostate and breast. So certain cells are completely depleted even after one serious night of uh, poor sleep but obviously this accumulates over time as well so your immune system can go down and it can be worse at detecting little cancer cells that appear all the time and it can have massive impact there
2: so it's huge if you're not getting enough sleep and enough rest there are massive implications short medium and long term how much sleep you're looking at me here fell in his 50s what should i be getting sleep wise
0: so most of us and everybody's a little bit different, let's say, but most people need around seven hours sleep. OK, there, about one in 40 people can handle less than that. And there certainly will be people out there who think I'm absolutely fine on five or six hours and more more power to them. But for the most of us, we need about seven hours sleep. But actually two thirds of adults are not getting that. So a lot of us are walking around That's completely sleep That's a massive bright.
2: sleep deficit in the world, isn't it, when you talk about that. What about children? More important to get more sleep. Definitely young babies sleep most of the time. Tots into teen years. Sleep, very important there.
0: Yes, very important. So young babies, like say, it could be 12 hours, could be even more than that if you're including daytime naps. This can tend to decrease a little bit as they get a bit older. But even all the way through primary school, they need 11 hours, let's say. And as they get a bit older, that can be tricky because they want to stay up a little bit later, particularly maybe in the summertime when mm. they want to play outside. It'd be very hard to get a 10 or 11 year old into bed at eight o'clock. But some of the kids are up quite early, you know, for a commute to school or because their parents are going to work. So it is quite important if you can to try and get them into bed on time. Teenagers then, should we all know the teenagers will stay in bed all afternoon. And really, we should let them. The hormonal changes in their body mean they do naturally need extra sleep during that time. So And and again, they don't get very much sleep during the week. They're often up very early for school. They have really long, mm. stressful, what you call a working day. So we really probably should let the teenagers so leave lie them in. Be. Do you yes. hear that,
2: folks? You know, I often get out of that bed, you're lazy. Don't. Leave them be. Let them do what they do at that age. That's a really good uh, suggestion there. Now... You'll hear people say, I'm wide awake when trying to settle down and go to sleep. What causes that? Why are some people like that?
0: Okay, so you want to start looking at maybe the stimulants that you're taking in during the day. So caffeine, for example, is a really good example and it's the first thing that we often reach for when we're feeling a little bit tired but you can get yourself into a bit of a vicious cycle. So it's genetic how fast you break down caffeine. So some people are called fast metabolizers; They'll get through it very quickly and it'll get out of their system and some people are slow metabolizers. and you might know yourself that if you had say two or three cups of coffee you might feel a little bit jittery and in that case you could be a slow metabolizer. Metabolizer. If that's the case, six hours later, half of the caffeine from a cup of coffee is still circulating around your body. So if you have a cup of coffee at four o'clock in the afternoon and you're expecting to be going to wind down and go to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, you still have half the same amount of caffeine circulating in your body and acting as a stimulant. So getting your coffee in really before lunchtime is beneficial. Other stimulants then might include alcohol. And often we associate alcohol with a sedative effect. So people might have a glass of wine or something as a nightcap, or you might enjoy a couple of glasses of wine, which dinner at the weekend. It has an initial sedative effect, but it's what we kind of call a sleep stealer. You don't get good quality sleep. So you get very light sleep and not very restorative sleep, which often leaves you feeling tired the next day. But that sedative effect can often wear off, say, in the middle of the night and wake you up and unfortunately that happens a little bit quicker for women so if you go out as a couple you might find you're the one wide awake half the night after the few glasses of wine while the the husband is still fast asleep
2: So is is this a killjoy lecture today to say No. no wine? No, no not at
0: all. But if you're finding that you're struggling to okay, sleep, it might be just the, things to
2: look at. The things to look at. OK, so the caffeine, that's very interesting about your metabolism, dealing with it as well. And and you'll know that yourself pretty quickly. So off with the caffeine, careful with the alcohol. What else are stimulants to prevent your food-wise sleeping?
0: Well, there's no one food that will really keep you up, let's say, okay. as much as there's no one food that's yeah. the magic pill to help us all sleep, unfortunately. But looking at patterns of eating during the day is very important as well. So if you, for example, go for long distances between meals during the day, say you have your lunch at one o'clock, but then maybe you don't have anything in the afternoon. And then there's the commute home or dealing with kids or whatever it might be. And dinner might not be till half seven and you're absolutely starving at that point. Well, that can be a huge physical stress on your body and you're increasing production of stress hormones during your day. Now your stress hormones are supposed to be on the decline towards the end of the day so you can relax and then they're meant to stay down through your whole night's sleep. If your stress hormones are high at night time first of all you'll find it difficult to get to sleep or if they increase at the wrong time of the night they can just wake you up in the middle of the night.
2: So what are you better doing, grazing during that period and then not really stuffing yourself at half seven?
0: Exactly, because that's often what we do when we're starving, Mm. come to half seven, and then you eat all around, or you eat just a very, very large plate of dinner. If you think about your digestive system needs to work on all of that, and it needs to break it all down and all of your absorption, and you're getting all your nutrients, your body isn't going to want to go to sleep while it's doing all of that work. So eating about three hours before you go to sleep is is a good um, marker. But also, yes, not going for too long during the day. So while we don't say grazing all day long, but putting in a healthy snack between your lunch and your dinner is a great way to just balance out that stress during the day. And then you're going to bed more relaxed.
2: So three hours is a good rule of thumb not to eat before you put your head down to sleep.
0: Yes. With a caveat. <laughs> so for some people that they are very sensitive to, um, to going bet- yeah too long between meals and they might notice that their blood sugar dips or they get very, very tired or a little bit irritable if they haven't eaten long enough or um, regularly enough, then putting in a little snack before bed can actually prevent that waking in the middle of the night. So if you're just trying to get your routine established at the start, actually having a little snack before bed, something very light, like a little bit of natural yogurt and a bit of fruit or just an oat cake with hummus or peanut butter about an hour before bed, actually might prevent you waking in the middle of the because
2: night. Because hunger can wake some people as well.
0: Yeah, and you might not even feel hungry. So you might just wake up and feel really wide awake. And In fact, lots of people have told me that they've gotten up and done the ironing or, you know, they get up and start reading books uh, because they feel so wide awake or the next day's chores or work is going flying through their head and they're getting all stressed and worried about it. The reason your body might have woken up is because Uh, Your hunger is a physical stress. Your stress hormone goes up, which effectively is waking you up to go get food. But you don't feel hungry. You're you're asleep Mm. and you're sleepy. But that stress hormone has woken you, fully woken you, and your mind is now racing.
2: Can I take anything that will aid sleep? You've often heard of, I'm sure, warm milk, that people believe in this and it does them good and they sleep with it. Is that a fact? And is there anything else I can take that might aid my sleep?
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of truth to that old wives tale um, about warm milk. So first of all, it has an amino acid called tryptophan in it. And tryptophan is an ingredient that we make melatonin out of. So that's our sleep hormone. So you can take in protein meals. So that's another reason why people say um, turkey at Christmas time makes us sleepy because it's full of tryptophan. The calcium in milk helps you get your tryptophan into your brain where you need it to produce your melatonin. So there is something to be said about a glass of warm milk. Plus, of course, we all associate it with something comforting. And actually, that's something you know that can be done is having a really nice bedtime routine. So whether it's incorporating supplements or foods or whatever it might be, actually doing the same thing every night, something that you associate with being really comforting and relaxing can help your body, much the way you might train a baby or an infant to wind down for bedtime. So whatever it might be, you might pick four or five steps. So it's put the kettle on for herbal tea, put on your jammies, brush your teeth, read your book or listen to some relaxing music for 10 minutes and then get into bed. But if you do the same five steps every night over and over again, it's almost like at the click of the kettle, your body will go, oh, I know what this is this is my relaxation routine. And you get used to doing it every single night.
2: I really like that. I hope you're all awake out there. <laughs> Are you listening to us? I hope Kira hasn't put you all asleep at this stage. We mentioned the milk. Anything else somebody could take to ease them into sleep?
0: Yes, there's lots of things. So I did mention there's not one particular food, I suppose, that you can say that thing will put you to sleep. But in actual fact, a mineral called magnesium is very important for relaxation. It's termed nature's tranquilizer. So it can be very important in people who suffer from anxiety.
1: Selling a little
0: or a lot. Uh, We find it primarily in nuts and seeds, not part of everybody's daily diet, but an easy thing to add in. Uh, Do make sure you're chewing them well or use one of those milled seed mixes, throw it into your porridge, mix it into your yogurts. Uh, When we test in clinic, about 60% of our patients are deficient in magnesium. So it's a very, very common deficiency. People might often find that if they take it late as a supplement, they could take it later on in the day. So even taking it at dinner and then maybe once again before bed so that you're kind of upping your magnesium levels late at night can help you to sleep you can also take magnesium in through your skin so you can buy magnesium sprays often people would find that quite relaxing putting it on the soles of their feet before they go to bed or you can have a magnesium bath so if you have the time to have a bath I mean, that in itself is very relaxing because it's warm water and it's time to yourself and all of that. But you can put in what are called Epsom salt flakes, get them in any health food store, not expensive. Toss a cup of that into your bath water and you will absorb magnesium through your skin that way.
2: From the Epsom salt?
0: Yes. That's
2: an old uh, one as well going back. People used it years ago. You're a big fan then of magnesium.
0: Yes, it's one of, a, like I said, it's such a common deficiency mm. because we just don't have an awful lot of nuts and seeds in our diet typically. But it's something easy to, to get in, a little bit of a snack during the day on any kind of mixed nuts, any kind of mixed seeds. They're all, they're all the same.
2: So if you can build in a routine from you waking in the morning. Now, if you feel tired in the morning, are you better getting up?
0: Yeah, so if you're really struggling with your sleep, you're best to try and teach your body to have a natural routine. So ideally that means going to bed at the same time every night, which can have a little bit of an impact on your social life to begin with, but it's just, a, let's call it a short-term project. Yeah. Teaching your body, again, the same thing you would do with a child. You would always try and put your child to bed at the same time every mm-hmm. night and they get used to it and so does your body. So go to bed, say, let's say 11 o'clock at night, get up at seven o'clock in the morning, every morning. So lying in at the weekend, even though you might be exhausted, actually can just mess with your clock a little bit more again. So again, if you're really trying to sort something out and you feel like you give a few weeks or a month to focus on it, getting up at the same time every morning, despite how tired you feel, is a good idea. Get some food into you if you're really feeling sluggish. Sometimes people actually, because their body clocks are so confused, they don't feel like breakfast at all. We find that quite commonly. People think, oh, I'd feel sick if I had to have breakfast in the morning have something small again you're teaching your body this is morning we're going to start eating we're going to start working we're going to start using ourselves to the through the day and then I'll let you relax again in the evening and do relax so it's perfectly normal to want to sit on the couch and watch Carnation Street at night time what we don't want to do on the flip side is maybe expose ourselves to too much stimulants and screens So blue light that's emitted from computer screens, iPads, phones, they all stimulate your brain and keep you awake much longer. So remember, getting up in the morning, stimulate yourself then, have your coffee then, have your snacks, fuel yourself through the day and then allow yourself to relax in the evening time.
2: The ambience of the room where you sleep, light, for example, heat, too much heat. Well, I I can't take too much heat, to be honest with you. I, I need a nice cool temperature, N- not freezing, icebox, you know what I'm saying? And things like that, important as well?
0: Yes, light, extremely important. So your sleep hormone that I mentioned earlier called melatonin, it really only gets produced when it's dark. Mm. So... Sometimes in the summer in Ireland, we can have particular issues with that because it it stays bright for so long and it gets bright so early in the morning. So if you can keep your room as dark as possible, you will help your body produce more melatonin. In addition, if you get up in the middle of the night, say to use the bathroom, very common, don't turn on the bathroom light. So the minute that light goes on, your brain will sense that the light and your melatonin production will will really plummet and it can take two hours for it to reach the same level as it was before you turned on that bathroom light. So if you could use maybe a small light or, you know, just crack the whole door open a tiny bit or something like that. Um, But if you can not turn on the light, that would be really great. Getting in a blackout blind, making sure you've got nice, heavy curtains, or if you can't just use an eye mask. So that's a simple solution.
2: (laughs) Very simple if you can't do all that. But that's a very important part of it as well exercise tied in with all this important also?
0: Yeah, moderate exercise is a great stress buster. So, again, if you're trying to make sure your stress hormones are low enough to allow you to relax and allow you to continue to sleep through the night and um, doing some med- moderate exercise during the middle of the day is a great way to kind of break down those stress hormones, doing intensive exercise, we know can boost your stress hormones, so trying not to do too much of that but and also definitely not too much exercise late in the evening. It can take, again, around that three hour window for your body to wind down after exercise. So if you can get it in earlier in the evening, maybe directly after work or, of course, during the day, that's even better. But not going to the gym at nine o'clock at night, you're going to be absolutely wide awake. You'll be wired
2: up and ready for anything. What about women and the menopause? I've heard that, and and this seems to be a case with some, when they reach that time that they could be sleeping very well after that and then suddenly everything's out of kilter. Is that something you've come across?
0: Yeah, it has a huge impact. So, again, in this whole um, way of us producing melatonin, oestrogen helps support that. And when the oestrogen is gone, some of those hormones can be diverted off into different ways and, and actually produce things like stress and and your melatonin production can really decrease. So there's no real way of just replacing your oestrogen after the menopause, unless you go on HRT, but of course, that has risks associated with it. But what you can do is use your own body's natural way of producing smaller amounts of oestrogen. So, for example, your adrenal glands will still produce a little bit of oestrogen, even when your ovaries don't anymore. They also produce stress hormones, so again, bringing it back to stress. Um, And also we can get forms of plant estrogens in our diet. We call these phytoestrogens. They can act on oestrogen receptors in a similar way, but not in any kind of way that promotes cancer growth or anything like that. So they're safe. We find these in things like flax seeds, chickpeas, beans, lentils and tofu. So, again, you could get flax seeds in on your porridge or into your yoghurt. And they're a good source of magnesium and a good source of phytoestrogen. So there's kind of a dual purpose there. And maybe just introducing some chickpeas and lentils and beans into salads or soups or dinners. Again, not a huge mainstay of an Irish diet, but has numerous, numerous health benefits.
2: Is there such a thing as genetic poor sleepers? (laughs) Or should everybody be able to conquer this if they have a, a, a difficulty with it in their lives?
0: No, of course. I mean, most of the things that we know ourselves, all diseases and conditions and all kinds of things, they all are a little bit nature, a little bit nurture. So you might have a genetic predisposition and it can be for anything. So, for example, a lot of people have what we call like a genetic mutation in the gene that breaks down your stress hormone. Mm. So if they get stressed, they stay stressed for longer. A little bit like the caffeine, I suppose, stays in their system much longer. So they will need a better wind down time, less screen time than most people, you know, making sure they're not exercising too close to their dinner time, a much better relaxation routine before bed than the next person who can break their stress hormones down much faster. There's loads of different genetic reasons why you might be a poor sleeper. Okay. So it might just mean that you need a little bit more effort and attention on this than the next person. We can't compare ourselves to mm. everyone. We know that.
2: Finally, before we finish, back to one of the... Um bugbears for a lot of people where they go asleep and they wake and you mentioned that awakening in the early hours or whatever middle of the night have you any tips for getting back to sleep when you do wake and if you're finding a difficulty with that
0: Yeah. So when you already wake in the middle of the night, yes. So one thing not to do would be to get up and do the ironing, as I mentioned. (laughs) That's not (laughs) a good idea. So what's happened there is your stress hormone has woken you up in the middle of the night and it thinks, let's get up and do something. Mm. You don't want to give in to that. You want to try and relax as much as possible. And actually, you can consider it that even if you're lying there doing some relaxation techniques, at least you're getting rest. You're not getting sleep, but you're not up and furthering that stress hormone by doing ironing or worrying about work or anything like that. So yeah, having a kind of a recovery programme, let's say that you automatically go, oh, that's it, I'm awake, I know my brain is switched on. Don't start thinking about work. Don't start thinking about the kids. Don't start thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't get up out of bed. If you need to go to the bathroom, get back into bed. Feel yourself relaxed. There's things that you can do like uh, you can start at your toes, tell your toes to relax Feel that your toes are relaxed and feel that your body is starting, your toes are starting to go to sleep. Then feel that the muscles in your feet are relaxed. And as you do that, you work all the way up through your body and you start almost sinking into the bed and you're starting to feel really, really relaxed. Or you might have maybe a piece of music that you could turn on. And that's your in the middle of the night rescue remedy, let's say. It's very calm. But again, it's the same. It's doing the same thing over and over again that helps your body learn what to do.
2: I have a little technique. I'll mention it again. If ever that happens to me, I go on a journey. I hop into my car here and I head for Galway, not on the motorway because that's boring, but through all these little towns and villages I used to go when I were heading to the west fishing. And I can tell you this, I don't get to the lake. <laughs> I'm asleep. <laughs> just a little one that works on me. Yes. It's a little routine I have. Uh, may not work for everybody. Fascinating, Kira. But just to say today, how we eat during the day, what we take on board is hugely significant in terms of getting a good night's sleep. Until the next time, Kira Wright. Thank you very much for joining me.
0: Thank you, Jerry. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.